Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your fight. We're in this game. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me are my co-hosts and friends, Nick Martin and Tim Kalinowski. Uh, and together, the three of us are going to break down the four-game slate that awaits us on Wednesday night. Then we'll talk a little big picture, you know, future stuff uh, at the very end of the show. Uh, it should be pretty quick. And we'll start with the Flyers and Canes. This one in Carolina. Philly traveling at plus 205 at the time of recording. Carolina minus 250. And uh, over under of six. It does look like Carter Hart is going to get the nod and goal for Philadelphia after a bout with food poisoning. Um, and I guess as long as he's starting, it, it, you'd have to be looking at the Flyers here, Nick. Yeah, I think so. I think Philly continues to be one of the more under-the-radar good teams. Like when I look at it, I mean, what games have they really not been great? I mean, they lost the Sharks, so you got to take some heat for that. <laughs> kind of dummied them. And then, I mean, the Kings won. But overall, like, I, I feel like I've watched a lot of Flyers hockey this year, and they look pretty good. Um, I'm a little scared just because we think that Carolina's kind of coming around. But to me, it just feels like this is going to be too big a number for how this game should go. Philly's playing pretty legitimately good hockey. I mean, they're... Plus 205 is one of the bigger dogs out of the next two days right now. So you look at the way they've competed. Their process looks strong. They've got an elite goaltender when Hart actually plays. So for me, this just looks a little long. Um, you know, Carolina sometimes has a tough time finishing too, and their goaltending situation is a little shaky. So yeah, I, I'm not interested at all. in the Canes here might end up with a smaller play on the Flyers. Yeah, it looks like Carolina's starting to do what they do. They're they're just tilting the ice and firing everything at the net. But when you look at like high quality chances, they're not really getting much separation at, at five on five just yet. Uh, we'll see as the season goes on if they start to tighten that up uh, in front of their goalies. But yeah, the goaltending disparity here is uh, what I think is actionable if you're getting Hart versus whoever's in goal for Carolina. It just gives you a decent floor uh, to work with with a plus two of five underdog. So. Um, yeah, as long as Hart's going, I think that uh, this is a, a playable underdog, Tim. I tend to disagree. I think that this travel is horrendous for Philadelphia. They just went West Coast at San Jose, at Anaheim, at L.A. Now they come all the way back at Carolina. I just think that is um, a tough team to run into on this type of travel. And I know put a ton of stock into you know things like that or, or whatnot, especially earlier in the year. But I mean, if you're playing a plus two Oh five dog, I have to feel a little bit better about the spot. I think that the reason the number is so big has to do with that. And so I would, if I had to play it, I would play like a Carolina puck line because I just really don't want to mess with that spot at all. Yeah. It should, it should be noted that the hurricanes were fantastic at home last year and they're four Oh and Oh in Raleigh again this year, it just seems to be one of their, one of their things under Brenda Moore. So that is definitely a, a tick uh, in your favor. So a little bit of disagreement there, uh, a little bit more disagreement for this next one too, with the Kraken against the Oilers, Seattle's plus plus one fifty. just got 
trounced by the Oilers, who were on a two-game winning streak after beating the Islanders 4-1 in Chris Knobloch's debut. Uh, Oilers right now minus 180, in total 6.5. Uh, Nick, you're looking at the Oilers here. I like the Oilers. I really think that the majority of their game has been quite strong. Like They've created chances at the level we all expect, which is one of the highest rates in the league. It looks like McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to start to click here. Um, I, I We've talked about it. I think everyone knows they have a couple defenders that are not going to be great in their own zone, like CeCe, Bouchard. But those are manageable flaws. Um, I mean, they've lived with those the last couple of years. And Ekholm, too, I should note, has been really bad. But at the end of the day, like it, it's kind of getting overblown out of proportion. They've clearly had some bad puck luck. I think they're going to start filling the net pretty consistently. I'm not really too worried on that front. Um, I just think if they're going to get livable goaltending, which they've gotten from Skinner recently, even the Sharks game, he didn't give up any softies. It was just what it was. They didn't get anything going. But I, I'm still kind of wanting to buy on the Oilers. I think they are going to get on a little upswing here. And awesome spot to take over if you're a new coach, I think, because they are probably like you're just going to walk in there and they're going to start winning games, I think. And you'll probably get all the credit. Like if you look at the underlying process of what was happening, and some of the turnovers probably were a little worse than like some of the defensive analytics suggest, but I still think they're playing a lot better than probably their record suggested, which was obvious to say. And I, I just feel like I want to buy on Edmonton right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think I still like the Oilers here. Not a great price, but maybe if you want to consider like a team total or something too. And and I, the other thing I thought that was notable looked like McDavid had a little more jump versus the Islanders as that game got going, like it seems like maybe he's getting a little healthier or I don't know if it was just, you know, he's a little out of rhythm, but it feels like maybe him and dry settle are about to really get humming. Yeah. I think it's for me, I, I would lean towards Seattle here. I want to see if it's, this number gets bigger. Cause I think most people would agree with you. Uh, and, and it is the consensus, at least among the, the betting community that the Oilers have played much better than their record suggests that the the numbers bear that out and it's pretty clear that the goaltending and a couple of timely lapses and bad bounces uh, is what did them in uh through the slow start but i thought the islanders made it really easy on stuart skinner and and i guess that is also credit to the oilers defense um after they they scored on their first shot and barely tested him i i thought from from that point on a couple a couple good saves but nothing too alarming um yeah, and the Oilers looked really good against the Kraken just a couple nights ago, so that's a little scary for Seattle backers. But and the Kraken goaltending too. I'm, I'm like talking myself out of this here, but <laughs> the Kraken goaltending isn't great either. It's just I can't. I just I'll need to see more from Skinner before I start laying these kind of prices with with Edmonton. It's just way too scary, and it feels a little like what we saw in the Heritage Classic. They got that win. People are like, okay, here comes the turnaround. Um, but if you don't get good goaltending. And you have to outscore issues and McDavid and, and Dryside are still working into their elite form. Like the margin for error becomes way too thin, I think, for these kind of prices. Uh, but Tim, you're you're with Nick. Yeah, I'm so I'm not gonna, you know, have to worry about the price as much because I would take um probably gonna take Minton three way here. And what where I get there is yeah, I don't wanna lay the in the minus one eighty range, but you guys all said it you listen to Canadian media and, and people who cover this team on day-to-day -day basis, like they're going to rebound, not just because of the new coach, but because they're due to re to rebound due, due to a uh, positive regression, the, the way they've been playing and the, the way the analytics 
uh, have checked out for them. Seattle is a team. I think we should start treating Edmonton like we treat the Maple Leafs and that they can just score their way out of problems. And they're going to start to score their way out of problems because they just need, they just need pedestrian goaltending and the Kraken can't score. That's like, they, they have a, the Kraken have a ton of problems. I want to get in on the Edmonton train before leave off. As you say, I need to see more. Well, if you need to wait to see more, we're not going to get any good out of this team. Yeah. That, that's how I feel. I have to jump on the train in some way before it leaves the station and it's my, back to Oilers minus 250 every single night. So a 180 line here, which you could get. I was just looking at a comparable line right now for, uh, for instance, Pittsburgh and Columbus on a Tuesday night. And you could get three way uh, minus 105 on Pittsburgh. So I think that like Edmonton could be in the 110, 120 range of uh, three way there. So always shop around. There's some rogue three ways out there a lot of times. Uh, Chris and Oblak is been added to Jack Adams award markets at 25 to one onto the ducks and avalanche. Now uh, Anaheim will be on a back-to-back it's John Gibson on Tuesday night. So it should be Lucas Dostal on Wednesday in Colorado. Uh, Leo Carlson will likely sit on his pitch count, his Steven Strasburg pitch count. Uh, as you'd imagine, the ducks are a hefty underdog here. Plus two thirty-five, Colorado minus two ninety, and a total of six and a half. I want to bet the duck. It does look like Colorado starting to get its act together. And it, a lot of what, what they were going through, like the, they just had some wonky losses that seven nil against the Knights, the eight, two against the blues, but Georgi have just looked all out of sorts for a little while there. And I think some of that comes from just playing in games that were got completely out of hand and the goalie will just generally lose his focus and the numbers get kind of uh, all out of whack from that. So it, there's another, I, I think on a shorter slate, like I'd much rather bet the Flyers uh, than the Ducks as a as a big dog here. We'll talk about the last game in a bit. So it's going to be a pass for me begrudgingly because I've talked all season about how I like this Ducks team at these kind of prices, but I'll be betting them Tuesday night. So Nick, I'll uh, I'll just take a deep breath here and, and stay away from the altitude. Yeah, I like the abs here. They're Puck lines minus 106 at the time of recording. I would play that to minus 120. I think that this is just a brutal spot for a Ducks team that I'm not convinced is this much better defensively. I know the abs have been a little uneven, but it looked like they stuck with a much better process in Seattle. I think they're a really interesting team because you can just see how they, it's almost like they get a little lackadaisical and then they think they're just going to turn it on and do whatever they want. And these stars are going to dig their way out of the hole and that sort of thing. And then, you know, when other teams do the right things, it just gets ugly when the games fall apart, right? Like the Blues game was the perfect example of that. You could just see they thought they were going to kind of turn it on when it got bad, and they were just not really doing anything well defensively. Um, But I like the way they bounced back in Seattle and stuck with a more thorough process, a better team game. And I just think if they come out and they stick with that, they make it hard on the Ducks here. They don't give them the cheap giveaways they're going to get their offense. Like, I think this one can definitely get a little out of hand with the Ducks on a traveling back-to-back. So I like it. I think the number could be bigger. Um, and yeah, like you said, Carlson out, that hurts the Ducks' offensive upside. The only thing, yeah, may, like you said, maybe a little scary on the goaltending with the Avs, but I think this is a good spot to lay it. I think they can come out and just carry the play significantly. And, and I kind of like the fact that they just got called out and they just had this little bit of an ugly stretch where they should be pretty ready to go for this one at home. Yeah. I'm not 
too worried about Georgiev long-term either. I just kind of chalked this one up to a blip, and this team does a pretty good job in front of him, so I think he'll he'll sort it out. Uh, Tim, anything here? Avs and Ducks? Yeah, the Avs have been, you talked about those losses. They've been the definition of like, we don't care if we lose 7 nothing or 2-1. It's still a loss. Who cares? Let's just get out of here and move on. So they've been really hot and cold and kind of bipolar in that way of looking at it, but I will probably check out what my boosts are. If I have one of those 30%, 50% and a little SGP Colorado and over and uh, in this spot. So I, uh, you guys said it ducks back to back. I don't love a, it's a bad team on a back to back like that running into a team that has the capability to be a complete buzzsaw in Colorado. So as much as we love our ducks, uh, this ain't the spot. Not a bad spot to back uh, Dostal, like over 42 and a half saves or some alternate save total either uh, for this one. Okay. Yeah, They'll likely keep him in, well, right? Especially like, regardless. Yeah. Is their better goaltender. Yeah, but Gibson's been good. He's been good. It's been amazing how long his hype from when he was nasty has managed to drag yeah. on. Um, I still think he's unbelievable. Like, you don't you know can't convince sure. me otherwise. Yeah, he's well. For sure, what the goaltending combination will be here, but yeah, I, I don't think that's super relevant, as you say, with Gibson playing a little better. I don't know if there's a position in sport uh, where your reputation follows you, you know, four years down the line, uh, quite like goaltending in the NHL. Canucks Especially changes like year to year. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> that's what's like so hard to predict. Like yeah. Inington right now is looking. I can't believe how. His numbers are crazy, but yeah, there's so many every year. Uh, this is the scariest, maybe the scariest segment of the podcast so far this season, because all three of us are in agreement here, and we're all in agreement on the New York Islanders as a plus 130 underdog in Vancouver, and a total of six. I'm an Islanders fan, so I'll let Nick get this conversation started so you don't think it's just some homer bias and me dragging these guys along. Yeah, I think the main thing here is that I want to start to try and fade the Canucks. And they have cleaned up their defensive play from when people were just labeling them like pure luck box at the start of the year. But um, it's still just been like an anomaly how like just the level of goaltending they're getting, the pucks that aren't going in. Like eventually when you give up this many chances toward your net. And I know people will point to like talk it limiting teams to exactly the chances they want and that sort of thing. But these, those are the things you always hear when teams get on these heaters, right? Is people coming up with other arguments when really so much of this just comes down to like bounces and that sort of thing anyways, right? And then people build their arguments around that. Like, I think the Canucks are playing quite well, but plus 135, like there's some plus 140s out there. That's a pretty long number. And I think just a summary of this is like, it's a, you know, sell high, buy low spot, really. And the Islanders, like, it's been a little ugly, but they've had some tough games, right? And they've still got one of the best goaltenders in the world. This is a huge spot for them. And I just, and part of it too, like I think you revert back to the roster strength on paper. Like I think to an extent at some point you got to weigh that. And that's a factor here for me. So this just looks like one where it's a good spot to back the aisles, like losing five in a row when I don't necessarily think they've been downright horrific. And the Canucks have kind of been at the exact other end of things where everything's gone right. They've got the absolute maximum amount of points they could have at this point in the season with how they've played. So, yeah, I, I think the number's really long. I like the spot a lot. I think the Owls are going to find a way to make this closer to a coin flip type game. Two great goalies. So, yeah, I, I think it's just a great time to try to buy on the Islanders in, in a 
what will hopefully be kind of just a coin flip type matchup. Well, 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 well. Okay. Um, I know where I know where Leboff probably stands on the matter. And if Nick is on the Islanders, this uh, seems like an ugly uh, peer pressure situation for myself. Look, the, the Islanders are on a five-game losing streak. Vancouver's won six of seven, and it's their first game back from an Eastern Canada road trip. Everything's going great for Vancouver. Things couldn't be going worse for the Islanders. So it's a matter of if all of those things are enough for me to buy low, sell high in the situation. And unfortunately, when I stop speaking, Leboff is just going to, you know, hammer it home and make me essentially in no, no, no situation other than to bet the Islanders. But also, too, um, the island, the Vancouver has a top top three power play in the league in terms of uh, power play percentage. They also, the Islanders are a bottom 10 least penalized team. So they don't go to the box too, too often. I think that could be a factor in, um, you know, limiting one of Vancouver's best assets here. And so Leboff, drive it home as I uh, open up my app here and bet the Islanders. Yeah. Um, I do think hearing someone else say it uh, makes me feel better about thinking it, that I, I do think that the Islanders uh, have played better than um their record shows especially of late i think that in a weird way maybe they're paying back some wins that they shouldn't have got earlier in the season when they weren't looking as as crisp and now it's just catching up to them in in some sort of karmic uh cosmic karmic way um that said i i i think that a lot of what the islanders are doing wrong is just one or two mental mistakes in in crucial times that happening against the wild they blew a lead, uh, gave the Wild a couple late power plays. They won. They played pretty well against the Oilers for the first 45 minutes, took a penalty, took another penalty. The Oilers score on both power plays. That game's over. Um, this has been kind of a, a running theme with them during this losing streak. Uh, and Tim, you mentioned the uh, the Islanders not going to the box often, but they also don't get any power plays either. They're, they're, they're <laughs> last in the league. And again, in terms of uh, power play opportunities, I do like the Islanders. I think everybody's kind of nailed it. This is a classic buy low, sell high. I also think it's worth looking at two player props here. It's Bo Horvat's game, first game back in, in Vancouver. I feel like he has come through on that, the Vancouver narrative too. Uh, he scored against them when the, they visited the Island. Uh, last year, so at Beauvillier scored the game winner for for Vancouver. So he's another one to keep in mind, and also Matt Barzell. Like Matt Barzell is a showman before an athlete, and this is his hometown. There's going to be tons of fa- friends and family in town, and um, he's he's just the type of guy we we talk about the profile of a player you like to look for in these narratives. He's he's definitely somebody uh, to keep in mind there. So I do like the Islanders. I'll be looking maybe a Horvat two plus goals or something along those lines uh, as a as a little bit of a longer play into that narrative um yeah all all three of us on the aisles yeah i like the point you make about the 40 minutes with the canucks or with the oilers too like obviously you gotta hang in there and find a way but like three of their last and they've played some tough teams too right and that's been pretty consistent because the wild game same thing process looked good the bruins game i actually same like two pretty good periods and then it just gets ugly they they took a penalty yeah and then yeah the, the oilers game if they can play two periods how they played in that game like I'll I'll love the price we're getting here, um, so hopefully they can find a way to, you know, put together a more complete effort and just put it all together. And and yeah, I think Vancouver's going to start to be a little overvalued, and some of these numbers are pretty long as of today. So, and they should be out there. So I think this is a good one for the listeners. In, 
cast to ride. Leboff, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I feel like the Islanders have been a lot of teams uh, scheduled wins also as well. They've been like on the other side of some tough spots. Um, I think was Colorado, maybe one of those spots. Um, Edmonton, obviously the other night. So they've yeah, they, been had some tough luck. Yeah. They've walked into some, some weird situations. The Oilers one. Now they're walking into another one with Horvat's return. Uh, they caught a break with the watch, the capitals, but uh, that was kind of the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. But I think that was rock bottom for them. Um, they had a cup, a really bad schedule spot against the Sabres earlier in the year. So there's been some stuff, but uh, I'll put the conspiracy. They're getting screwed. They're I'll getting put the conspiracy screwed. theory stuff aside for now. I can't, I can't, I can't pull that out on November 14th. I'll, I'll wait till after Christmas. Um, all right, real quick. Um, two minutes to, to, to wrap up the show. Nick, we kind of talked about it on yesterday's episode. Some, some more awards talk, uh, some players you want to circle, uh, floor is yours. Yeah, I was just I actually don't have too many more than we went on. I think that Crosby won and then the the Vesna kind of got caved. I was gonna say I think Demko's good, but those numbers got really crushed. So I'm actually taking the floor with not that much to say here, unfortunately. <laughs> well done, Nick. It's <laughs> all good. I'll bring up this. I'll bring I'll bring up this. I'll have to dig a little harder. <laughs> the um the Oilers. If you shop around, I see minus 200 to make the playoffs. I see minus 166 to make the playoffs. So, uh, Oilers, it's, we're in an interesting situation here. Oh, you, yes. leave off, you said it. These books don't adjust. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe they are adjusting. I don't know. It's like, is this right? What do we, what do we kind of think of that? The, okay, I'll throw an interesting one out to close here since I didn't really have anything. But the Ducks are plus 625 to make the playoffs. That's pretty crazy. The Yotes are plus 425. I feel like if you're low on some of these West teams, those are pretty interesting numbers. Yeah, I, I would suggest uh, they are. And the 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 correlation of, uh, like, at this point, the, the Jack Adams Award numbers are gone on, on both those guys. Uh, like I said, Chris Knobloch is 25 to 1. Uh, same price as Jay Woodcroft at the book I'm looking at. So if you think <laughs> that Jay Woodcroft is maybe going to coach the Islanders in a couple days to the playoffs, uh, maybe you get it on that. But uh, that's it. All right, coach of coach of the year in in U uh, eighteen. Like what's, yeah. what's... <laughs> I, I I the the only coach of the year number that I still think is playable right now uh, is is Carberry at forty to one. I I think everything I, else has been. Yeah, I agree. And people thought the Caps were so bad, but yeah. the kind of one you can probably sit and see like if they collect two or three more wins in a row here, it'll probably still sit at the same number. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Okay, uh, that wraps up this episode. Only four games to talk about. Uh, we'll be back again for Thursday, uh, nine games on that one. And then next week, there's a weird schedule because of American Thanksgiving. The NHL goes dark on both Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, so it looks like we'll probably do episodes for Monday and Wednesday next week. Uh, but stay tuned there as we just confirm the logistics. For Tim Kalinowski and Nick Martin, I'm Michael Leboff. Thank you for listening to Line Change. Please rate, review, subscribe, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, and good luck with all your bets on Wednesday. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.